0: Uh, we started a series last week called Noise Canceling, and uh, we've been talking about this idea of how can we uh, prioritize hearing God speak to us? What does it look like for normal, regular, everyday people to actually uh, be able to hear from a holy God? What does it look like for us with our schedules, our chaos, our, our time, all the, all the stuff between that we have going on? What does it look like for us to truly be able to hear From God. And so we're continuing on in that series. Uh, It was a big week in the Kretsu house. My oldest son, Mason, turned 12 this week, uh, which was kind of surreal. Yep, thank you. I'll accept the applause. Uh, I had a large part of that. That was uh, the main reason he finally turned 12, was me. Uh, so, but uh, no, it was kind of crazy. And parenting is crazy. There's just like constant twists and turns and learnings and, and trying to figure out things. And uh, he, um, we don't want him to have like a, a phone yet, a smartphone, but we have an Apple Watch for him so that way we can track him like a good parent wants to do, uh, but we can call him and talk to him. And so on his birthday, uh, I took him to Wild Rivers, and he had a friend go with him, and, and I dropped him off. I had to go run an errand, and then I was going to be back in an hour, and so I got back, and I couldn't find him anywhere, and nobody was answering their phones, no, like there was no way to get a hold of him, so I was just like, well, I can walk all over, or I could just sit and wait. And so that's what I did. I just sat like at one of the main intersections. It was just waiting. And then sure enough, in about 30 minutes, guess who decided to walk by? Mason, who apparently forgot that I existed and was very surprised to see me. Uh, so, uh, But it's, cra- it's crazy. I mean, being a parent is a crazy thing. There's always these learnings that I'm having and, and things that I'm trying to change and adjust just in myself uh, as my kids are getting older. Uh, our younger son is eight. He loves Nintendo um, and he just gets into this crazy zone when he's playing as Nintendo and he has no clue what is happening around him. And so he'll be playing and he'll say something along the lines of like, hey dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? And I'll say, yeah, you can have a snack. And sometimes I'll get him one. Sometimes I'll put it on the table or whatever it is. And then like 45 seconds later, two minutes later, he's like, Hey, Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? And I'll look at the table and the snack's still there. And I'm like, Uh huh. You can still have a snack. It's, it's still over there. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then a few minutes later, he will pass by and I'll be like, Hey, Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? I'm just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is going on with you? You know, but by that point, I've already left, left the room. Uh, but it's crazy because he's, he's literally starting the conversation. He's asking me for something and also, not listening at all to what I'm saying in response, not even just like trying to hear his own answer or his own preference, just like not listening at all, completely tuned out. And there's this reality for all of us, I think, in our communication where we know the importance of communication. The quality of every relationship comes down to communication, learning both how to hear and also how to be heard. These two things. It's it's I want to be I want to be able to hear the people that I'm in a relationship with, and I also want to understand how I can help my eight year old uh, hear me when I answer his questions that he's asking me for. How do I how do I figure that out? And it's not just parenting; it's every kind of relationship. I've talked before about how oftentimes I'll do premarital counseling with couples before they get engaged and, or before they get married, and and you know one of the the sections that we go through is on communication, which is obviously a huge. A huge topic. It's a a crucial aspect of any relationship, but it's kind of interesting because the other sections, there's a section on finances, um, and the the best way to have healthy finances, and for that not to be an issue in your marriage is what? Communication and lots of money, but that's like a whole different thing. So, but communication... (laughs) is the best way to avoid problems and pitfalls in your finances in your marriage. We talk about sexual intimacy, and, and what is the most important thing? Get the answer right, please. When we talk about like how do we, how do we have healthy sex lives with our spouse, it's communication. We talk about conflict and hot topics, uh, fights that we have, you know, not understanding each other. What's the most important thing about navigating those things? It's communication. So we can, we can put it in this bucket of communication, or we can recognize, man, this is every aspect of my humanity is impacted by communication, work, marriage, parenting, neighbors, uh, friends online, Facebook, whatever it might be, and just as much, if not more so, our relationship with God is so affected and impacted by this area of communication. What does it look like for us to really be able to communicate with God, to both hear God and also how to be heard by God? I think a lot of us have learned, uh, maybe even believe, some really deep theological truths. We know some really good and important information. There's like a deep well of knowledge, but maybe it feels like there's a, a shallow relationship. Like, I know a lot about Christianity, I know a lot about church about faith but but I don't really feel close to God. Maybe you're the type of person who wants to be close with God but you don't even know what that means. You've heard people say it before that they feel close or or they love God or they're in a relationship with God and there's a sense for you it's like I don't even know what that means. Like how does that practically even function in the world today? Maybe you like the idea of of talking to God but most of the time you're literally just talking at God. You're like the eight-year-old with a Nintendo who's like asking for things and also completely not listening to the answers. God, will you please help me? Help make this choice clear. Help, help me uh, navigate this relationship. Help me, uh, you know, whatever it might be, cultivate a deeper faith. Whatever the thing is, we're, we're talking at God. We're, we're praying, we're communicating things and we're not listening. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, would uh, understand this conversation in terms of the Bible. There's a lot of people in this room, and, and there's times for me, even in my life, where there's these, these questions that I'm wrestling with, what is it that people love about the Bible so much? Can I say that? <laughs> I know you've thought it, so let me say it. There's times where we're reading the Bible. We're reading a passage, scripture, verses, whatever it is, a story, and there's a sense of, and this is weird. This is confusing. This is difficult. What does this have to do with 2023? What does this have to do with, uh, I work at a bank. I work at a, you know, I'm a teacher. What does this have to do, like, how do we apply these things? How can we understand this? Why Why is it that some people can read the Bible and get so much out of it? Why is it that some people enjoy reading the Bible? Uh, Maybe you've heard someone even talk about how they read a a Bible verse and it felt like it was just for them. I've had people come up to me after services in the past and say, man, that verse that you read, it was just for me. And I love that. And I always smile and I say, that's awesome. And there's a, a little bit sarcastic part in me also that's just like, also, it was totally not just for you. That verse was written thousands of years ago to someone on the other side of the world. But that's one of the fascinating things and one of the crucial things for us to understand about the Bible is even though it wasn't written specifically to us, it is still for us and it is still a crucial aspect. And and over the next few weeks, we're talking about a specific uh, way that we can hear from God, where we can hear God's voice. And, And the scripture is a primary way that we're able to hear God's voice because it is powerful and moving. Second Timothy chapter three, this is uh, Paul writing to a guy named Timothy who is a new pastor and a new leader in this town. And Paul, the apostle Paul is teaching him and he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There is this reality that's so important for us to understand the beauty, the power, and the immense way that God speaks to you and I today in 2023 is through Scripture. That's why we value the Scripture so much. It is alive It is powerful, it is useful, it helps us learn, it helps us correct things. And it goes on, it talks about how God uses scripture, these ancient stories and verses and ideas. He uses those to help prepare and equip us, his people, God's children, to do every good work. And this, you know, when we think of good work, sometimes we think of it in the uh, just a simple bucket of, well, you know, good work uh, serving in my community, and that is a good work. And there's a lot of scripture that helps us understand why that's actually a crucial thing for us to do. But maybe the good work that God wants to prepare you to do is actually to, to work on repairing your marriage. Maybe the good work that God wants you to do is actually to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to become financially healthy so that I can create a sense of safety for my kids, a sense of stability for my kids. Maybe the good work for you to do is actually to engage in your community in a positive, healthy, and hopeful way. Jesus talked about it as a light, a city on a hill, a light that shines like the stars in the heavens, something that is helpful and beautiful and hopeful for our communities. There's all kinds of ways that we can be encouraged, challenged, corrected. We can learn so much through the scripture. There's actually a story um, that is so cool. It's just playing out recently. You guys may remember uh, a few months ago, we did uh, this month-long thing. It was Foster, uh, Foster Care Awareness Month. And during that series, we had opportunities for people to give to Olive Crest, an incredible organization that we partner with, uh, we had opportunities for people to support and encourage foster parents as they're helping care for kids, and we have opportunities for people to step in and, and become what's called a strong family, which is a, a, a home that is a vetted and safe place for kids to come and spend a short amount of time just to give their, their parents a chance to, to do what they might need to do. It might sound crazy to you, but there's some parents out there that don't have family or friends that they can rely on. There's some parents out there that have no idea where they would turn to if they ended up having to go to the hospital for something. And so Strong Families gives them a place where these people are, are, are vetted, te- uh, safe, interviewed, licensed, all these different types of things. And this might blow your guys' mind. Sometimes when we talk about things on stage, people actually do them. I know. It's crazy. You should try it sometime. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there's some families in our church that took next steps. And one of those families was uh, the Gibbs, Cody and Sharice. They're sitting back here. One of the many families that took a next step. I got an email on Friday saying, hey, congratulations. This family from your church was approved to be a host home for strong families where people can uh, you know, find some help, which is incredible. And then I got an email on Saturday saying, hey, congratulations. Cody and Sharice are going to end up having two extra kids with them this weekend. How about that for a quick turnaround? Like you're approved and here you go. Uh, But the need is massive. And they didn't sign up for it because I said to. They didn't sign up for it because there was a cool video. They signed up for it because God uses his scripture to help stir our hearts, to help make us passionate, to, to help bring awareness, to help refocus us on what really matters versus what is preferable or convenient for me. There is nothing easy about hope. opening your home, going through a process, filling out applications. It wasn't any human that caused them to do that. It was God, and God speaks to us through his word. If you're a Jesus follower, the Bible isn't just your primary source of truth. It's the most tangible way that you can hear God speak. You get to open the scriptures day in and day out as much as you want. And they are living and breathing, and God is continuing to speak through them. And so for so many of us, some of us who may be new to the faith, and some of us who have been Christians for a long time and are maybe a little bit cynical or a little bit numb, we believe and we just feel a little distant, a little disconnected. I believe, but I also don't feel like I'm really hearing God. I don't feel passionate. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm in a relationship and so much of it comes down to the fact that many of us have lost the drive, the passion, uh, and really just the, the commitment to spending time reading our Bibles. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit, not in a, in a way that is meant to cause anyone to feel bad or guilt or shame, but there's a very real aspect for us that if if you want to experience who God is, if you want to hear God speak to you, if you want to feel like your faith is alive, one of the easiest ways to do that is by reading Scripture, by spending time reading the Bible. But also, I know that there's a lot of people that read the Bible and come up with a lot of crazy things. There's a lot of times verses and Scriptures have been used to justify horrific things, brutal, painful, absolutely evil things uh, there's people that have quoted verses that you're pretty sure, you know, they don't mean what they think they mean, but they're like, it's like their their favorite verse. There's times people twist these things around. There's actually a few months ago, I saw this on Instagram, and I spent most of the day yesterday trying to find it because it's just so funny to me. You guys know those uh, those calendars? It's like a... Uh, uh, a, a motivational quote of the day and you tear off a page where well, there's Christian ones of those too where there's a verse of the day where you, each day it's a different verse and there are all these really encouraging verses uh, check this out uh, this, this is one of these calendars I think we have a picture of it there we go it's in the King James Version so you know it's old school and super holy it says if thou therefore wilt worship me all shall be thine or in modern English if you will worship me, all will be yours. And that is like, I mean, yes and amen, as they like to say, okay? It's like, you mean if I worship God, all like this is great news. We just sang three songs. I worship for like 15 minutes straight, right? Like, I'm, I'm set. I'm good to go. But the fascinating part about this super encouraging verse that nobody actually looked into is that this is a quote. They quoted Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. This is what Satan said to Jesus. If you will worship me, I will give you all of this. It's really important that we understand what these verses are talking about. It's really important that we don't just Google search and find the most convenient, the closest, the easiest, the most, uh, the closest thing to us. And there's some terms around this. I want to, I want to help, uh, maybe just get a little bit nerdy for a second. Um, and this is what I enjoy doing, and as always, I've got the microphones. So here we go. Uh, there's a couple words. The first, uh, there's three words. The first one is this word exegesis. Everybody say that. Exegesis. Yeah, exegesis. Uh, and then the second word is isegesis. And then the third word is hermeneutics. Yes. So exegesis is a really important idea. It's the art of explaining interpreting and applying the intended meaning of a scripture. If the calendar company had used exegesis, they wouldn't have quoted Satan on the motivational verse of the day. There's this idea of understanding what is the intended purpose? Who was this written to? What was the context? And it can be a very deep kind of uh, ongoing search and exploration of this truth And it can also just be like, hey, let me make sure I'm reading the verses around the one that I want to get tattooed on my back or whatever it might be. The second word is eisegesis. And this is what we oftentimes do. I fall into this trap too because we're human. This idea is the process of explaining, interpreting, and applying scripture through our own personal agendas or biases. When I read the Bible, I read it according to my preferences if I'm not careful or intentional because I have preferences. There's things that I like and there's things that I dislike. There's things about you that I like and that I dislike and that I would love to preach to you about. (laughs) But it's not up to me to choose what the Bible says or what the Bible means. It's actually about the scripture. So we have to be intentionally uh, aware and cautious that we're not reading our own meaning into it. And then the third one is hermeneutics, which essentially is the lens that we see, the lens that we understand things through. And every one of us has a lens. You were born in a city or a state or a country, you uh, grew up with one parent or two parents. You grew up with money or without. You grew up speaking a language. You grew up uh, in a certain type of church or not in a certain type of church. All of these are lenses that we see and we understand scripture through. And so which one is the right one? We talked about it a little bit last week. The lens that we interpret and understand the Bible through is Jesus. There is this invitation for us as we read scripture to say, hey, I wanna read this through the lens of Jesus' life, his teachings, and his actions. I want to read all of these verses, these these confusing parts, these beautiful parts, the the parts I'm not totally sure what it means or how that actually plays out. I want to read it through the lens of Jesus to make sure I'm understanding it as correctly as possible. And even Jesus talked about this. In John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus is talking to religious people and he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's saying to them, you you believe that in memorizing, studying, becoming familiar with, knowing these scriptures, that you'll have life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He would go on later to talk about how he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the source of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and through the Word speaking, creation, life, all things were created. There is this reality, what Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago, is that all of the scriptures are about me. It all points to me. And so for us, we can be confident. If, if, if you'd rather believe the Bible than me, here's a part of the Bible that, where Jesus is saying To the religious leaders, hey, it's pointing to me. Use me as the filter. Use me as the gauge. If you're unsure, run it through the filter of Jesus. In other words, what I think is important for us to understand is that God speaks, I think, primarily through Scripture, and all Scripture points to our need for a relationship with Jesus. All of Scripture points us back to Jesus, and there's times where God speaks to us in other ways, and we're going to talk about these ways over the next few weeks, but maybe somebody will say, I just feel like God wants me to tell you, and I love that. And we can take that information, and we can take it back to Scripture and say, does this, does this line up? Does this actually fit with what Jesus has said? There's times we might get this sense that God is speaking to our mind or to our heart, maybe through a song or, or through, I don't know what it is, a hike in the middle of the afternoon you know, in nature. And there's a sense of, is that really God? Can I do that? Is that trustworthy? And we can take it back to scripture and and find out. It's so important for us to understand the value of scripture. And I think it's become really common for us to uh, minimize or avoid or prioritize other things in our relationship with God. But God is speaking. And one of the primary ways he does it is through the written word. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 4. He says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, which is just like the most beautiful poetic language. Imagine the space you would have to define between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. And that's what we want to happen when we read. Maybe not the naked and exposed thing. But when we read Bible verses, when we read the scripture, when we turn to the gospels, when we open up the Bible, uh, whatever passage we're reading, we want to feel like, man, this is like there's something happening. I feel something churning inside of me. This feels alive. This feels specific. This is what we, what we long for. So how, how can we prioritize this and how can we explore intentional ways to hear God speak to us through scripture on our own? You don't need me to do this for you. You don't need a church to do this for you. You can do this on your own. There's an ancient practice. I want to talk about this for the remaining 11 minutes that I have. There's this ancient practice called Lectio Divina. Let's say that together. It's fun. Lectio, Lectio Divina. It's like a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> uh, so, it, uh, really, it just kind of means uh, holy reading or sacred reading. It's been around for a long, long, long time. Uh, and essentially, it's a simple way to approach the Bible reading it slowly and prayerfully, listening with our hearts more than our heads. There's a lot of wisdom that you can gain from the Bible. There's a lot of great information that you can have from the Bible. I'm not, a, I'm not at all opposed to uh, taking in Scripture into our heads, but there is this aspect of the transformational power of our hearts, of what God wants to do in our hearts through his Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk a little bit about what this looks like. There's an um, author, pastor, speaker named uh, Pete Grieg, and he wrote a book called, How to Hear God, A Simple Guide for Normal People. It's a great book. If you are interested in learning more about this topic, um, I can remind you what it is after service if you want to come up and ask. But he has this method. It's an acronym that he uses to practice this idea of Lectio Divina. And this, this acronym is the word pray. Because acronyms make everything easy to hold on to and remember. So there, there's four components of this when we read scripture. pause, Read and reflect, ask and yield. Pause, read and reflect, ask and yield. And so I want to take some time just to go through each one of these and explain what it might look like. And again, the reason we're doing this is because I know that every one of you would like to hear from God. There is not a doubt in my mind Every one of us would like to hear God speak to us. It could be a thousand different topics. Maybe we're comfortable with it on a thousand different levels. But there's not a person around that doesn't want to have that type of closeness, that type of connection. Even if you're hoping that there might be a God, you're hoping that you will hear from that God. And so I want to take us through this, because whether you are a new Christian, whether you are exploring or a skeptic, or whether you've been a Christian for your whole life, this is a, a powerful tool for us. And so the first, the first word, uh, the first letter is P, and that is the word pause. Everybody say pause. Pause. Yes. Uh, now, one thing I know has got to be true for almost all of us is that we don't have a lot of downtime in our lives. Uh, we pretty much come like screeching into everything that we're doing. We're rushing from one thing to another. We never have any sort of gap. And so if we are reading the Bible, we are running from one thing to the next, and we open the Bible, and we have not taken a moment to pause, to think, to breathe, to just clear our minds a little bit. And so oftentimes it's understandable that the scriptures don't really come alive to us because There's a million other things happening in our mind. We're writing to-do lists and checklists. How many of you guys are checklist people? Yeah. Every time you try and take a break, how many times do you guys have like things that pop in like, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I also need to do that. And and that's okay. That's a normal kind of human aspect of who we are. But there is this crucial aspect for us of learning to take a breath, of, of, of taking a pause before we start reading the scripture. Take a moment to settle your soul. There's a really uh, well-known scripture, Psalm 46, 10. It says, be still and know that I am God, which is a really powerful command. And there's a lot of really beautiful things about this sentence. Um, One of the things that people don't really quote as much or are as familiar with are the nine verses before it, where it talks about how the mountains are crumbling. And the ocean waves are crashing and rivers are overflowing and nations are warring. I mean, it's like just absolute chaos. And, and the instruction that God gives, be still and know that I am God, isn't in spite of the chaos, you should do this. I really think it's because of all of the chaos. <laughs> you need to be still and know that I am God. God. You need to take a moment, pause, clear your mind, accurately put things in the right place, right size the problems or the challenges that you're facing. Be still and know that I'm God. So as we go to read our Bible, whether you're opening a physical Bible or pulling up an app or whatever it might be, what would it look like for you to take? I mean, I would bet that 30 seconds would feel like an eternity, of silence a minute five minutes just to be still and you can pray a simple prayer god help calm my heart help help focus me help me read and hear your voice not just what i want to see there's a i mean there's no right or wrong way to do it but take a moment to be still the second one is read and reflect um, so whether you're going to be reading a, a chapter or a few verses or a verse, um, the recommendation is that you read it two times. Uh, the first time you're reading it is because you may not know what it's going to say. So you're just literally familiarizing your head with it. Uh, Arlo, our younger son, when he was uh, a bit younger than he is now, he loved for us to read him books, and so, but there was only like two or three books that he actually wanted us to read. And so we read those two or three books two or three times every day. And then by the time he was two or three years old, he could read. And I was amazed. I was like, I have a genius baby. But he couldn't read. He had just memorized all of the words on the pages from us reading it so much. But there's a sense for us as we're reading, as we're going through, we may not know what the story, how how does the story go? What What is this passage saying? What is the point of all this? And so the first time we're reading it, it's kind of head knowledge. And that's okay. And that's good. Then the second time we read it, we already know what's happening, and so how do we read it a bit more slowly? Uh, there's a, an aspect of meditation that we can apply to reading scripture, and, and there's a lot of meditation that people think of as clearing your mind. If you've ever taken a class on meditation, it's always about like, how do you, how do you clear your mind? And, and that's an okay thing to do, but, but when we talk about meditating on scripture, it's actually filling your mind just with this passage, this verse. It's not about clearing your mind. It's actually about like filling it up. So all you're able to think about is this, this story, this scripture, this passage. Um, Friday night, we had a chance to take some of the Costa Mesa staff out for dinner and they just, they do a ton and they're an incredible staff. I'm so grateful for them. And so we got to go out for dinner and uh, we went to this restaurant um, in Newport and uh between the six of us, uh, we ordered almost everything that was on the menu, and it was uh, great. And it was everybody was really loud and chatty, and then the food came out, and it was silent. <laughs> and, but it wasn't like this silent, like everyone was rushing to eat. Like I was looking around the table, and you could see people were like, this is very good. And then you got the people that are like trying to share plates, and like, OK, I'll take the other half of yours. You take this one. And, and there's this moment, if you've ever had a meal that was that good, there is this moment where you didn't want to rush it because you wanted to be able to savor each bite, you wanted to experience each bite. And this is this is a large aspect of what it looks like to meditate on God's word. It was taking your time, chewing it slowly, appreciating each each part, each word. Um, can we go back to that Psalms forty six? Uh, verse 10, uh, be still and know that I'm God. I've talked about this at Guy's Breakfast before. We've talked about this at Bible Studies before, maybe even on Sunday mornings. Um, It's just a handful of words, but every one of those words carries a lot of weight. Be still and know that I am God. And for me, as I read those few words, the word that always stands out as I read this verse is the word I, there's something about that word for me that always stands out in this. And it's important for me to take note of that. Be still and know that I am God is what my heavenly father is saying to me. What is it that you're prioritizing? What is it that you're putting your confidence in? Who do you think is going to help you? Who is the source of truth or life? So taking a moment to meditate, to not only just read the words, but then actually think about them and allow them to come alive. And the second thing is actually to use our imagination, which sometimes adults think that they aren't allowed to do anymore. But you can, P.S. You you can do this. Uh, Use your imagination and, and kind of imagine yourself in these passages, if you were to read Psalm 46 and, and put yourself at the base of a mountain that is shaking and crumbling and you see waves and you hear waves crashing and rivers overflowing and war, uh, nations warring, it would be so hard to imagine what this would be like in real life, right? <laughs> Chaos everywhere. There is a sense of, of putting myself in that space and imagining being able to hear God's voice as I am terrified of everything that's happening imagining myself hearing God's voice speak to me, say, be still and know that I am God. These things start to come alive in a different way versus, i got to read my Bible today. All right, be still and know that I am God. Okay, got it. (laughs) On to the next thing. Take time. Let this stuff come alive. Read and reflect. You guys got it? Pray, read and reflect. The third one is ask um, as you spend time reflecting on what you're reading, take a moment. Uh, look at what's standing out. Look at what is resonating, what maybe feels uncomfortable for you. And you take some of those things, and then, and then you actually pray about those things. You, you ask God to give you clarity or courage or strength or forgiveness or help or whatever it might be. Anne Lamott is one of my favorite writers. She has a book. It's a very short book called Help, Thanks, Wow!, and she talks about how all prayers fit into those three categories. Help is the one we're probably all most familiar with. Uh, it's a very short prayer. It just goes like this: Help. Uh, <laughs> thanks is, is a beautiful thing for us to say, God, thank you so much for my church family. Thank you so much that you saw it fit to finally bring the sun out after seven months of gloom and rain. Thank you so much for whatever it is, it's acknowledging gratitude. And then wow is this way of acknowledging just the immense glory of who God is. And that shows up in a million different ways. The beauty of life, the the feeling and experience of love. Uh, Yesterday, I had to go to the store. Um, I have a golf cart that I drive a lot. It's very nice. It's a 2003 Yamaha uh, gas-powered street-legal golf cart. It goes about 17 miles downhill. Uh, And uh, it ran out of gas the other day. That was fun. But I drove the golf cart there, and it's basically the opposite of a convertible. It only has a roof, there's nothing else around it. And I came out of Stater Brothers, and I put the ice that I went to buy, I put it in the golf cart, and I went to sit down, and I looked out over the 55 freeway, and there was like this crazy burst of colors from the sunset. And like any normal person, I got my phone out so I could post it on Instagram. And as I was going to take the picture, I realized that there was no way that the picture was going to do it justice. And I would be mocked by my friends for posting a sunset photo on Instagram. So I put my phone away, and I just looked at it. When was the last time that you did that? Wow. This is amazing. God chose to do it this way. It could have been any way. This is incredible. What does it look like for us to take a moment after we read and reflect, to pray, to ask. And then the last word is yield. I don't know if you guys know what this word is because you never do this for me when I'm trying to get on the freeway. Uh, Thank you. Um, Yield. This is a, a difficult one for us because this has to do with our ability to yield to what it is that God wants for us, from us. God's way over my way. God's words over my words? What does it look like after we read these scriptures and and some things start to stand out to us and we pray, what does it look like for us to actually be intentional and say, okay, I'm going to actually try and do this. I'm going to actually try and internalize this. I'm going to speak this truth over myself instead of the lies that I've believed. What does it look like for us to prioritize God's way and God's word over our own so he can continue transforming our hearts and our minds. Jesus described yielding this way in Luke chapter 9. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, anybody here? You must give up your own way. You must yield your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. This is probably not going to be a verse that's on that verse a day calendar. A lot of people are familiar with it, but it's not anyone's favorite. It hurts. It's a bummer. I have preferences. I have desires. There's things that I want to do. There's things that I want to say to certain kinds of people. There's ways I want to react or respond And if I want to be Jesus' follower, he says, I have to yield my own way and my own will and exchange it for his way and his will. And I get that that can sound like this pie in the sky, like, sure, Jesus said that. And Jesus could do it because he was God. And, you know, that's such a beautiful thought, but that's not reality, Chris. I just... I know that I can't do it perfectly. But I really think that if we actually put effort into this, what would it look like? What would our lives look like as individuals? What would our church look like? What would the impact in our communities be like if we really set our own ways and our own will aside and, and, and live the way that Jesus is calling us to? Is it possible to do it perfectly? No. No does that mean that we don't have to try? I don't think so. So for each one of us that truly wants to hear God speak to us, the way that is maybe the the easiest for us to access is through reading his word, taking some time, pausing, reading and reflecting, asking God to speak to us and yielding our way And trading it out for his, I really believe that God wants to speak to us. Reading our Bibles is something that is called a spiritual discipline. And I don't know of a single discipline that is enjoyable all the time. But I can think of a lot of disciplines, and probably all of them, if I really put thought to it, that have very beneficial uh, effect on our lives. And there's this aspect of choosing to do this and prioritizing it and saying, you know what? I do want to hear from God, and so I'm actually going to put my Nintendo down, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to read. I'm going to take 30 seconds before I read, so it's not just checking off a box. I'm going to take 30 seconds or 60 seconds. I'm going to to calm my mind. I'm going to ask God to really reveal himself to me. What would it look like for us to do that? That's my challenge for us this week. Last week, I I challenged you guys, and I'm scared to ask. Last week, the challenge was to read Matthew 5 through 7. Show of hands. How many of you guys read Matthew 5 through 7? All right, you guys. Oh, I see a half a hand. You read Matthew 5. Uh, Just (laughs) kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, This week, my challenge for you and also for me is, is to meditate on a passage of Scripture and use this pray method. Take a passage. It can be a verse. It can be Psalm 46. I already did half the homework for you. Take some time. I'm recommending Romans 5, chapter, 1, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Take some time this week. And you could pick one and do it every day this week. You can do a different one each day. But actually say, no, I, I do. I want to hear God speak to me. And isn't it worth trying? Isn't it worth setting aside 10 minutes? 20 minutes, however much time you want to set aside, isn't it worth it? I really believe it is. I want to read this passage from Romans for us as we close. Will you guys close your eyes? Just listen to these words. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a discover class to grow more in your faith you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash costa mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section if you'd like more information about tithing or supporting south hills financially you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving thanks again for listening today and i hope that i get to see you soon